0: Alrighty. Okay, so let's uh, turn our Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 7, uh, verse 1. We're going to continue learning about one of Jesus' most famous sermons, okay? But before that, I want to read you something. It's an excerpt from a blogger, okay? And this happened, actually, a blogger here in North Texas during Snowmageddon, okay? So he's saying, we have had a major snowstorm. The temperatures are well well below freezing. However, we're still open. The roads are only partially plowed, so after a few hours with no customers, we think that maybe people have heeded the warnings and are staying home. However, around lunchtime, a car uh, slides in into the parking lot. The driver gets out, almost tumbles in a snowdrift, and somehow makes it in. The customer, whew. The weather is awful. I'm surprised you guys are open. The, I guess the waiter, well, we are. The customer, man, you shouldn't be open. Co- uh, the waiter, well, they keep me open. They keep us open because it's profitable to be open. The guy says, that's not right. That's crazy. What horrible bosses. Who would come on a day like this? The waiter, and that's why we open. The attitude of not seeing our own sin before we bring judgment to others is something we're going to talk about today, all right? And that's what we're going to focus on and hopefully be convicted on from Matthew 7 verses 1 through 6, okay? Um, the title of the sermon is Judging Others, if you guys want to write that down, Judging Others. And let's begin reading God's Word, chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 1. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. That's God's Word. Today's lesson can be broken down into four sections. All right, section number one, we're going to talk about the command, and that's verse one. Section two. We're going to talk about the rationale behind the command, verse 2. Then we're going to talk about the explanation of the command, verses 3 through 5. And then we're going to finalize with the warning, verse 6. I'll say that again. First uh, section, the command. Second section, the rationale. Third, the explanation. And fourth, the warning. For the theme, that way you can have this theme... Uh, present in your mind as we study God's word together, is this: examine the intentions of your heart before you judge others. Examine the the attention the intentions of your heart before you judge others. Okay. So we've been discussing what Jesus is. What one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, Mount. and we started this in chapter five. Remember, we started with the Beatitudes, right? Qualities of a true kingdom citizen. We know that he's talking about a citizen, a kingdoms of heaven, right? As he's what is the book of uh, what is the theme of Matthew? What is a, the theme of Matthew? Yes, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. So, what is Matthew trying to convince the reader that what? Jesus is king. That Jesus is king, and who is Matthew's audience? Matthew. He's a, it's a Jewish audience in. In Rome. Okay? What is that, Mark? Regardless, I know it's a Jewish audience. I'll get back to you next week. So he's writing to a Jewish audience, telling them, hey, this is Jesus. This is the king. He is king. What does he do throughout? throughout what we've learned a lot to prove that he is king? What does he do? What does he quote? What does Matthew quote? A lot of the what? Old the Old Testament, right? Telling these Jews, you know the Old Testament. You've read it before. He is king. Jesus is king. Okay? So he talked about the Beatitudes. Then he discussed the relationships that these citizens should have with the world. Anybody remember that? You are the salt of the world, right? We've got to shine our light, right? That's the relationship that these kingdom citizens have to have with the world. Then we went to uh, personal relations among citizens of the kingdom. Uh, then we discussed how these citizens should react against What? Evildoers. Remember, going the extra mile, you know, the righteous, or if somebody, you know, slaps you in the face, what, all that we discussed. Then we went over the Lord's Prayer with Brandon, and then we talked about serving two masters. Last time Brandon was here, we talked about worry, right? Do not worry. Look at the birds of the sky. Look at the lilies of the field. You know, the Lord will provide all our needs. Seek for his kingdom and his righteousness. Right after this, he goes into... What we just read, do not judge. The reason why I like to go over this sermon is because Jesus preached this in an entire city. I know that we've taken weeks to do so because we really take our time with God's word and we really want to understand what the Holy Spirit was saying through Matthew. We want to get that message good and correct. But if, don't get confused. This is not something that he did one day and then the next morning. And this is a full-blown message, sermon that he gave on the mountain. You got a question? Yeah. The boy slapped John. We'll talk about that later. I, I understand what you're saying. Because it was the example that we gave. Okay. So what happens is, uh, he's also telling them throughout the sermon that, guys, remember, this is a spiritual kingdom. Not a physical kingdom. What were the Jews expecting? What were the Jews expecting? They were expecting a A, a savior to save them from the Roman Empire, right? They were expecting a physical king, someone who would take away the oppression from the Romans. But Seth, Jesus came and said, my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. I come not only to liberate you, but liberate you spiritually, save your soul eternally, okay? This is a spiritual kingdom. And, he, and what does he act? What does he go towards the most when, with discernment? He tries to get to the what of a person? To the outward actions of a person or the what? The heart the inside he tries to tell the person you think you're so good but you're not let's look at your heart because from there that we'll see how good you are and knowing what the Bible says about us humans what are we inherently what sinners We will never be able to go and get heaven and be good enough for God it's impossible but God in his grace and his mercy sent his son Jesus so that whoever believes in Him repents from their sin and literally makes Jesus their Lord, bows their knee. Lord, you I'm a ma- you I'm a slave and you're my master type of relationship. The Bible says that you have you could have eternal life if that's what you decide to do. Okay. Uh, and when he is talking, who is it? Who is he really going against when he's when he's talking about hypocrites? Right. Who Who is he talking about? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Scribes, right? Because what do they think? They think that they're the... Do you guys say, still say the bomb.com? I don't know. I've been out of the country for a while. Do you guys still say that? No? Sometimes. Or they think they're, a, they're a, a, the last Coke of the desert in the Spanish? The, no? The, like, the, the bag of chips, whatever? Did anybody the, the what? The what? Did use that? I don't know. <laughs> You're the last Coke of the desert. I, I don't know how to translate that in English, but in Spanish, it's la última Coca-Cola del desierto, se cree. Like, they believe that. Anyways, they think they're so, wow, I'm, a, I'm so good. Look at my outward appearance. And Jesus comes and tells them, hold on a second, are you? Because it's from the heart. It's from the inside that tells you if you are or not. MacArthur states, to add to this context, along with many other sins spawned by their self-righteousness, meaning the scribes and the Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees had become oppressively judgmental. They proudly looked down on everyone who was not a part of their elite system. They were unmerciful, unforgiving, unkind, censorious, censorious, meaning all the above, all the way we just mentioned. And totally lacking in compassion and grace. So that's, they kind of like made up this law that wasn't God's law. And they themselves couldn't live by it truly, but forced other people to do so and looked down upon those that they couldn't. How dare you not live up to the perfect law of God? Look at me. I do it. How can you not? Scum of the earth. So let's begin with the first verse, the command. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. To judge, the Greek word means to evaluate, to form a critical opinion of something, either positive or negative, OK? What does is, what is the judging here mean in the context? It's basically meaning this. Do not condemn so that you will not be condemned, OK? We are not God. We are not in a position to condemn anyone, nor their intentions. We must understand that when we do make judgments, and we're going to get to it in a second, it can only be based on actions, right? Never on intentions. You cannot judge somebody's intention. You can judge their action, but not their intention. But what does that mean? Because, it, Alejandro, didn't you just read, do not judge so that you will not be judged? So we're going to go into in a second what is not what Jesus is not saying. Okay. How many of you know that this verse has been taken out of context a lot? One of the verses that it's taken out of context the most, right? How many of you heard this, the, the phrase, only God can judge me? How many of you heard that? Right? Okay, I'm not the only one. <clears throat> you know what people do with this verse? They use it to defend their sinful lifestyle and sinful beliefs. Oh, you can't judge me. I can, I can do what I want. Only God can judge me, right? Many church leaders have used this verse to what? To condemn those of church dividers for calling out false teachers and false prophets. (gasps) How dare you call another man a false prophet or a false teacher? Who are you, you church divider, to cause this? These are the results of just incorrect hermeneutics. They take a verse without knowing the context of what the verse is trying to say and they want to apply it to justify Their sinful desires. Jesus is not saying do not judge. Scripture commands us to make judgments. Okay, He is saying not to be judgmental or think that you are better than those that you are making a judgment on. We're going to get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about the judgments that we are commanded to make. Okay, I'll give you some examples and then we'll back it up with the Bible. So, depending on uh, how a person claims Christ, right? and their fruit is showing. You make a judgment to yourself and say, man, this person I can trust, I can fellowship with more than another. You made a judgment base. I'm going to share my personal things that I'm going with. Am I going to share with just anybody? Right? Or am I going to share with people that are mature in Christ, that I can see their fruit in their lives, that they're, they're godly men and women. I'm going to make a judgment. I'm going to say, OK, I want to, I want to share my personal things with this person, not with this person. Did I make a judgment there? Yes. Is that a good way to make a judgment? I think so. We're going to see if the Bible says it's okay to make a judgment like that. But what about when you're in dating mode, right? Whenever your parents allow, how will you make a sound judgment on the person that you want to date or marry, right? You have to have some sort of standard of how you're going to make that judgment. And I pray and hope that that standard comes from the Bible and not what you think is right that you need next to you, right? I mean, the first things first, if you are going to date and you're a believer, the first judgment that you're going to make is, is that person a what? A believer. Trust me, you don't want to uh, go into that type of situation because it it just creates more problems for you. Okay? you got to make a wise judgment when it comes to dating when your parents allow it. How are you going to base that? Based on hopefully criteria from the Word of God. What about when you see your your Christian brother sinning, right, and you you know that it's your duty to to win your brother back, or to kind of tell him, "Hey, man, we're ambassadors of Christ. We can't we can't be acting that way, right?" You have to make a judgment and saying the way he's acting makes me have to as a brother in Christ speak truth. Is that a good judgment to make? To be like, I gotta go and talk to this brother in Christ. Is that a good judgment to make, right? We we make judgments all the time, is what I'm telling you. Now, we are we are even called to make these judgments. Let's look at the Bible to see what it says. All right? Yes, Fox. You have something to say? Um, don't judge someone else unless it's from the Bible. So, if you're going to judge someone, you need to take it from the Bible and not just like. We're going to get to that in a second. Okay. So Matthew uh, seven verse fifteen. Even in this same uh, chapter that we're going to discuss, uh, chapter seven verses fifteen, Matthew. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. What does that mean? You have to make a judgment based on what you're hearing, if it's what? Sound doctrine or not. And it's sometimes very subtle. It's actually very subtle to the point where Jesus is saying, they might be dressed as sheep, but inside they are a wolf. Beware. Do you have to make, you have to make a judgment there, right? You have to make a judgment call. Is this person preaching the Word of God like it's supposed to be? Or is this person teaching false doctrine and therefore is a false teacher? What I Remember, what are the two things that you, you, based on the Bible that a false teacher can be? Based on two things. If somebody comes to you and preaches what? Another gospel. Another gospel something that, oh, salvation? Oh, you got to be a good person to go to heaven. That's the only way. Right? The Bible says in Galatians, that person should be accursed for teaching something. Even if an angel of God comes. We're going to read it in a second. What about what else? what else is considered a false teacher or a prophet in the, in, the, in the Bible? Someone who takes away from the Bible. Okay. And there's another major one. People who preach the prosperity gospel just trust God and everything will work out. Yes. Well, it will, but like God will give you a bunch of money. Yes, that could be part of the gospel, right? Adding or taking away from the gospel is false teaching. What about the deity of Christ? Every time anybody goes against the deity of Christ is a false teacher based on the Bible. And a lot of false religions that we have, you see them, they all go against the deity of Christ. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, all right? Uh, A lot of our current uh, churches that believe that God was not 100% man and 100% God at the same time, okay? Biblically, that's not true. That's false doctrine. You have to make a judgment on that. But in order for you to make a judgment, you need to what? Know the word, right? Know the Bible, okay? Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take what? One or more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. What, what type of judgment are you making there? A biblical, a biblical judgment of what? What? What's all this thing that we always talk about? Oh, holding each other accountable. Oh, fellowship with each other. What does that mean? There's a, we have to put it to practice. How is the way to put it to practice? Discernment. If, if you if you find that your brother is sinning in a way that is not biblically or it's not sound, right? Which sinning is obviously not gonna ever, always. It's never going to be sound. But if you find your brother is sinning and you're just going to leave him to sin on his own. You're not going to go and tell them, "Hey, I think, I think we, you know, he needs to stop that." We're going to get into examples in a second. Romans 16, verses 17 through 18. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, and by their smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. What is Paul urging the Roman church to do? To what? To make judgments on who they're listening to and to make sure that what they're listening to is what? Sound teaching. Sound doctrine. 1 Corinthians 5.11 But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such one. What is he saying here? If you are friends with a soul, person that, soul, that calls himself a believer, and they're expressing or showing some of these characteristics, practicing them, not you know, sinning. Because you sin, we, we, we ask God for forgiveness. We're not going to stop sinning. right? The thing is, do we practice this sin without repenting? That's the type of sin that Paul is asking. And he's saying, if you encounter one of these pers- people... And you go through what Matthew 18 already says. You got one witness, you got the other witness, you got the church. And they still are not unrepenting of their sin. Don't even don't even go out with them. Don't even don't even mingle with them. Notice he's saying, if a person who says this is a believer. Now, an unbeliever, obviously, there's a way you have to reach the person. You have to preach the gospel to an unbeliever. We might not be best friends, but. You have to approach them, but in this case, in this scenario, Paul is saying for somebody who calls himself a believer and they're acting a certain way, you got to make a judgment call. And the judgment call is, stay away. Galatians 8, 1, verses 8, But if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. So when Jesus is saying to not judge or condemn What is he targeting? He's targeting the heart. Jesus is talking about the heart issues. With what intention are you making this judgment? Right? Is it to encourage a brother to turn away from sin? Like the Bible commands? Is it really to see if a false teacher is judging a false teacher? Is his doctrine is false? But how you do it is what causes a sin. You are to make a judgment. That's what God calls us to do, to make judgments all the time. But it's how you make that judgment that makes a difference. We're going to get to that in a second. Let's turn to the second uh, section of this lesson, which is the rationale. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure, it will be measured unto you. So, not only are you not to judge, so you want to be judged, but on the standard of measure that you judge, that standard of measure is going to come right back at you. Okay? So, my question is, what should be our standard of measure when we judge? Is it going to be a biblical standard? Or is it going to be a self-righteous standard? Does anybody know what a self-righteousness means? Yes sir. So standard, like you have to live up to the like way I'm doing it. Okay. You like, you know. Yeah. That's one way to put self-righteousness. Yes sir. You're better than everyone else. Ooh, I like that. You're better than everyone else. Yeah. Okay. How's mine? How was yours? <sighs> Guys, judge yes, sir. Oh, proud it was. It's okay. Yeah. Having a higher view of yourself than you are. <laughs> yeah, having a higher sense, higher, having a higher view of yourself than what you really need to have. Yes. Yeah, let's not. Let's be nice, okay? Let's be nice. Now listen, 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 guys. Um, that just threw me off. <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. Give me a second. got it back. i got it back. What was the time about here? (laughs) Self-righteousness. What is self-righteousness? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. So the problem comes when you are making this judgment based on your own standards other than God's standards. And when you are making this judgment based on your own standard, right, who are you to make your standards to judge others? Are you God? No. And number two, where I was getting at, self-righteous has a higher view than they really have on themselves. How do you view yourself before God? It starts there. How do you view yourself before God? Rhetorical question, think about it. How do you view yourself before a Holy Father? There's nothing wrong with seeing God as a father because he is loving. He is gracious. We can come before him, call him Abba Father, which is a term like Papa, like Daddy. And that's great. But he's also what? Yeah. A just holy God. And we are sinners before a holy God. Right? No matter how much you view yourself, if it's not for Jesus, that took your place, there is no good that God can see from us. The only good that God sees in us is his son in us, Jesus. There's nothing we can offer to God. Guys, the attitude itself of thinking that you're better than somebody else when you come and bring judgment, that alone makes you a hypocrite, a hypocrite. That's, that alone, That's it's, it's hypocritical. If you come to judge somebody, and the judgment, it's okay to make the judgment. But your intention in your heart is, huh, thank God I'm not like him. And you feel superior with the standard of measure that you judge the same ones coming back at you. The same sin or difference, you're judging sin and you're being sinful. So the, judge, the sin that you're judging is coming right back at you. Have you heard that when you, when you point a finger, three point right back at you? It's how you point the finger. It's the attitude of how you point the finger that makes the difference. And that's what Jesus is telling the people that he's listening that, that he's preaching to. It's the intention of the heart. Make the judgment. But how are you going to make it? Is it going to be in the standard of being loving and forgiving? look, Every time you go to your to a friend or neighbor, and you don't have this in your mind, and you don't judge in a loving and forgiving way, you know who you become like? You become like the unforgiving slave in, chapter, in Matthew chapter 18. Let's turn real quick. Chapter 18, verses 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? up to seven times this is Peter asking Jesus and then you know what Jesus said to him I do not say to you up to seven times but up to seventy times seven obviously this is a metaphor like it means as many times as you need why for this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with all his slaves when he had begun to settle them one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him but since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me. I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. Spec log, spec log, talent denarii is super different. One is thousands of dollars, the other is hundreds of dollars. Nothing compared. He was forgiven a lot. But the slave went out and found one of his fellows a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. The same words that what? That he said to his the other guy, right? That he owed so much money. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I the Lord had mercy on you? Guys, this is this is that this is that hypocrite. This is every time you go to make a judgment and you're not loving and forgiving, you become the unforgiving slave. How much did God forgive you? You can never, you can. There's no way of paying that back, and he forgave you. Who are we not to forgive others? And this is not about forgiveness right now. This is about coming in love to make a judgment in a forgiving and loving way, because the Bible does tells us that tell us we have to make judgment. How we make it is what causes the difference. Okay. Yes. How can you earn money when you're in prison? historically um, remember Pastor Dusty's uh, message that some of these slaves were actually paid wages uh, yeah. that I don't have money to pay you for my for my for, for what I owe you but I can sell you myself so and then you're a slave of the person and the person pays you a wage that you can pay back what you owe you're still harder when you're in prison. maybe in the, they may be there were a, a prison type of movement where they were making carpets and you know, he was a, it was this kind of a jail situation where you're making carpets every day and you, I guess you're getting paid a certain wage. All right, that makes sense. Okay? Not magic carpets, but. <laughs> every, time, every time you come and make a judgment and you don't look at yourself and you don't see your own fault, you're taking the place of God, okay? You're taking the place of God and trust me, that's not your place to have, right? Because what happened to Adam? And what happened to Eve, right? And you will be like god no that's not what we want we want to serve god we want to be doulos right his slave like pastor does said on, on on sunday so our standard of measurement should be what the word being loving and forgiving when we make a judgment against somebody so what does this look like right give me an example what does this look like well your friend is having trouble with saying a bad word what is your approach do you go into the conversation thinking that you are better than them because you don't go, that you don't do that or humbly, or you do you go humbly trying to win a brother over with a loving, forgiving attitude? Hey, Tim. I, I chose Tim because no one's named Tim here. <laughs> this is the first. You have to stop using that word, man. When someone cuts you off when you're driving, aren't you a believer? Man, you should know better than that. You should feel ashamed of yourself. Hey, Tim. I want to bring something to your attention that you might not notice. Every time when we're in the car and someone cuts you off, you get angry and start saying words that are not God-honoring. I only tell you this out of love since we both claim Christ and we serve and represent His kingdom. We wouldn't want others turning away from God because of our actions. I will be praying for you and myself for any attitude or action that may not be God-honoring. See the difference there? The judgment had to be made. Stop cursing when you get cut off when you're driving. All right, it might happen, okay? Doesn't mean that it's gonna be all the time, but if you catch your brother sinning in a way and he claims Christ, we don't wanna be a stumbling block for others, right? So there's a way to approach it. One was, I don't say, look at me, I'm, I'm great, I'm I'm good. Yeah, you you sinner, you stop saying that word. You should be ashamed. While the other's like, hey man, I'm just saying this because we claim Christ. We, you put yourself in the, you're a sinner too, man. We You might not say it that way, but you sin in other ways that you might not glorify God. Maybe it's a sin that no one sees, but God sees. It's winning your brother over, right? That's the purpose of of this type of judgment. Now let's go to the explanation. So why shouldn't you judge? So you won't be judged. And with the standard of measure that you judge, you're going to be measured, right? So then Jesus says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, I like the, the speck and log, you know, illustration. Why? Why is Jesus saying speck and log? Anybody? Want to give it a try? It's a really big difference. Okay, but why use that, that those Though that that metaphor, they're both wood, but um, they're both wood, but um, one is much larger than the other. Yo, I know that for sure, but why use even wood? Yes. Because you're trying to help someone when you need to yourself yourself. Yeah, I get all that. No, but I'm saying, why choose wood? Your sin is greater than other person. Okay, don't, okay, maybe I'm nice and different. I know the spec in the log, I, I get the example, but why use that example? Why not use a stone and a, and a bulldozer? I don't know, or why use wood? Because wood can burn. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. He's a, He's a He was a carpenter, right? This is cool, man, He's, his profession, his profession was wood some commentators say that hey the reason why he use that is to make it more approachable with his disciples which he's preaching but i think it's cool so speck and log so the speck refers to the small particle when you when when you when you're uh, sawing that little dust that comes out that's the speck that he's talking about and log refers to basically you know the whole big bold kind of construction type of log all right this is a huge piece of wood okay And brother here refers to someone who's close. This is a neighbor. This is someone that that you're in communion with and you're in fellowship with, right? Uh, Especially used for fellow Israelites or fellow believers, okay? So, obviously the sin that that Jesus is talking about is what? Hypocrisy, right? He's saying, how can you go? So, first of all, how can you think about, how can you see somebody's speck and not look at your own log? Then he goes, how can you go and want to take it away? So one is a thought, it's bad, you hypocrite, we hypocrites, then the other one is going, the action, right? And what does he say? You, you need to see your own first. You need to take that beam out of your your eye first to be able to take the speck. Notice who he gives the beam to. Who does he give the beam to? log beam of wood a long thick piece of wood such as that used in construction as large kindling or a structural support who does he who does he give who does he say that who has the log here in a way who has the log the pharisee, the pharisee. who has a speck he's basically saying the sin of self righteousness is can be worse than the little speck that you're trying to get from your neighbor. He's saying what you are doing is actually worse than what he's doing. Can you believe that? Because when, you, when you're when self-righteous, you tell God, I'm a good person. I do good, I do good things. And in a sense, God's overall grace, you can do certain good things, but are we good people to say that we think that we're better than somebody else? No, we're not. We got this huge law of, when we make a judgment that's not forgiving, that's not loving, that's not biblical. Amen? So it says here, let me take that uh, uh, you must, but do not notice the law that is in your own eye. You got to take time. It takes some reflection to, to notice, to be like, hold on a second, I got... what am I going to when I make this judgment, what, what type of judgment am I making here? you got to analyze yourself. Take the log out of your own eye to then be able to go and take the speck out of your brother. So, so the error of the hypocrite is not in his diagnosis, but in the failure to apply the medicine he wants to give to himself first and then his neighbors. So you see, the judgment of the hypocrite, the the judgment that he's making, it's not wrong. There there might be a speck that he needs to take out of his brother's eye. But before he does that, he needs to notice his own life. And he needs to what? Recognize his own what? Log. Yes, he needs to recognize that log. Deal with it so that he can go. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Luke 18, verses 10 through 13. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, those swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. He was praying this publicly. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes upon heaven. But his beating breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, it's how you view yourself. It's how you view yourself before God. Don't let your self-righteousness blind you. Let's not let this happen. Thank God that we have the Holy Spirit that can convict us of our sin, that can show us the law in our eyes. That's a great, great thing that we have. What are you gonna do with it? Right? are we gonna repent? Try to, you know, with the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, be better and sanctified, and do things the way right that He commands. Or are we just going to continue with this self-righteousness, feeling better about ourselves because, hey, you know what? When I when I put others down, I feel better myself. You know what this looks like? So you're in the car with your friend, and you tell him that you know you notice he has a weakness in telling white lies, right? So you're driving, and you're, hey man, you know. You gotta say the truth, you know, it's, it has to happen. I mean, we're, you know, we go to church and we claim Christ and you know, you gotta stop with those white lies, man. All of a sudden he crashes into a car in front of me. Oh no, I didn't I did tell my mom and I was gonna take the car and the cops are gonna come. You know what, let's switch seats, switch seats with me. Come on, come on, let's switch seats. You switch seats and then, and then he goes, look, we'll tell my mom that we had an emergency and now you gotta take me to the hospital and it's all your fault, okay? that's a big log here you are looking at the speck your little white friend is de- telling white lies still sin is sin you have to make the judgment but the re- how are you making it did you look at your life first maybe it's the same type of sin that you're bringing judgment against deal with it first recognize it first to then go to other but what if it's not a sin that it's the same sin that you're dealing with and you're going to make a judgment what would happen there you see, in a godly way, right, you want to win your brother, right? You want to edify him. Can you imagine if you are, if you live a righteous life, you try your best, to you live a righteous life, you honor God, but you have these hidden, hidden, hidden sins that no one knows about, right? And you go and you make somebody else feel horrible, and then, do you think that encourages them? Knowing that you are a sinner just like they are? Instead of saying, hey man, you know, you struggle with this, I struggle with this. Oh man, you struggle with, yeah, I struggle with this. But you know, the Lord is with me and I I read the word and I meditate in the scripture and it helps me. You see, you become human to somebody else. And that encourages you to say, I'm not the only one. Last, we have the warning. Verse six, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine. Or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Holy. Holy, some commentators said that holy meant um, the gospel. Holy meant God's truth. Holy meant his words. Dogs. It's not like the puppy dog that we have in our home. These dogs were wild. They were scavengers. They were unclean. No one liked these dogs, okay? He's saying, do not throw what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine. Swine were also wild pigs. And if found in the wild, they're like these boars. They'll come and they'll they'll literally hurt you, okay? Pearls was something what? Value, sacred, right? A lot of money. And he's telling him, don't throw this to them. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to get mad at you because it's not scraps. It's not garbage. They don't know the truth that they have in front of them. And they will hurt you because of that. Can you imagine that? You're trying to give somebody life. You're trying to give somebody God's word. And they look at you like, that's not what I want. I want to hear what I want to hear. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. He's saying, do not try to do this with unbelievers because they will take you They will take what you are doing and not care and basically ignore you or worse even harm you. Don't waste your time in trying to win brothers that are not redeemed in a sense of these conversations that we had is basically you bringing judgment to a fellow believer. Okay, The fact that we are bringing these godly judgment in a loving, forgiving way. Okay, What he's saying here is that between believers you're going to appreciate the value that that has because you're growing, you're, you're maturing, you're, you're being sanctified through the Word and through the fellowship that we have with each other. Now, to apply this principle with an unbeliever sometimes not be the case. I'm not saying don't try, but if you try to avert once or twice, I'm not saying preaching the gospel. I'm saying the idea of you know, coming in a loving way to make a judgment, hey, man, I see that you're acting a certain way. And your first conversation with an unbeliever is always the gospel. Let God deal with the change. They need the gospel first. Right, that is what you always should have. You know, don't debate politics because they're not going to think like you. Don't debate issues of you know that that are controversial. They might not agree with you. You know, preach the gospel. The gospel changes people's hearts. That's what they need to hear. Focus on that. Be worried about that, not anything else. And Jesus is saying it's better to preach the gospel to them instead of bringing judgment to their lives. MacArthur states Jesus' point is that certain truths and blessings of our faith are not to be shared with people who are totally antagonistic to the things of God. Such people are spiritual dogs and swine who have no appreciation for which is holy and righteous. But even when we determine that a person is too rebellious to hear the gospel or is a heretical teacher, we go on our way not self-satisfied but in great disappointment and sorrow. So it's not like, oh, some so believer. <laughs> At least I'm a believer. What did you just become? Be yeah. unforgiving what? Slave. Right? Don't have that attitude. Instead, be sad that they're not a believer, because you know where they're going. <clears throat> you know what we, we we encounter sometimes in our in our in our in our walk of Christianity, in our reform theology? Sometimes when we take things to an extreme. We can become legalistic, right? And we can become very judgmental when it comes to false teachers and false prophets and other churches. Okay. Think about it. What is your attitude when you're doing it? Is it really, really to win a brother over when you're telling somebody, "Hey, man, you know that church that kind of say this, this, and that," or is it like, "You shouldn't go to that church. I got it. Oh my goodness. What is the attitude? Do you feel better that you're not in the church like that? Well, in a sense, hopefully, you know, there is some sort of a peace that you feel, but it shouldn't be like, oh, you know, I'm so great. I go to this church. You go to that church. Come on, man. What's wrong? Aren't you a believer? Don't you have the Holy Spirit for discernment? <clears throat> What's the attitude there? What's the attitude in our hearts when we do this? And this is something that we have to watch out. Don't fall into the trap of legalism and being self-righteous like a Pharisee too, because while you're judging with the intention that oh you're better than them, three fingers right back at you. You're so, you're a sinner just as they are, and just as they're sinning. The idea is to win a brother over. The idea is if you know that people go to a certain church that are pretty not doctrinal, not doc, their doctrinal statement is not really solid, to have conversations with them in a loving way, not a judgmental way. You will never, ever, ever have anybody come and believe what you're believing if you say it in a judgmental way. First of all, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work and it does the job. He'll take care of it. You just preach the truth in a loving way. Coming to a church like Northgate Bible, it was my boss who just asked me a question. Hey, Alejandro, did you choose God or God chose you? I was I grew up in an Armenian type of a worldview where I chose God. I know I was a sinner and everything else, but I was good enough to choose God. And then it just started. He started teaching me about, oh, you know about Calvinism? Like, what is that? You know about predestination? Like, what is that? You know about reformed theology? Like, what is that? i never... And guess what? He just, he just had that conversation in a loving way. He never made me feel bad, never condemned me, never... Guess who, guess who? who? started the work in me to start learning about this in a crazy way that I'm still I'm in Excel because of it, trying to catch up to other years that I didn't know about this. God Himself. You just have to do it in a loving way. He'll take care of it. But if you, if he would have come to me, I <laughs> can't believe you don't know this. <laughs> what kind of person are you? I mean, really? You think it would have been the same reaction? Who knows? Let's recap what we just learned in about one sentence. I like what, look at this uh, this, uh, this commentator. I love the way he summarized all that we learned right now. By the way, before I, I do that, I want you to know that it's biblical. It says, Jesus answered them in Matthew 13, 11 through 13. To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall be given more. And who will, will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Then he says, therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor they understand. So it's not like John MacArthur, or I'm saying, this is Jesus is saying, sometimes, you know, there's certain things that believers or people are not meant to understand. And it's okay. And it's fine. So this is the recap. Weber writes... Do not judge others until you are prepared to be judged by the same standard. Do not judge others until you are prepared to be judged by the same standard. And then when you exercise judgment towards others, do it with humility. When you exercise judgment towards others, do it with humility. So kind of three points that we want to conclude today. I want, first of all, I want you to check your heart to see if you struggle with self-righteousness. Not if you struggle, in what areas do you struggle? Self-righteousness, judging others based on issues of conscience, just because they don't believe like you believe, or you know, interpret the Bible like you interpret it. When it comes to issues that are that are that are, that are conscious, like you know, homeschool, public school, or Democrat, Republican, or all these other issues that, that we can discuss. do you, do you become judgmental? when it comes to these things? What about judging the intent of others? Oh, yeah, I know he didn't do it. I knew what he was, he really meant Are you God to read somebody's mind, to know somebody's heart? Judging false teachers with condemnation and feeling that you are better because you are not them, instead of praying for them? Number two, before you approach others about a specific sin, (laughs) make sure you don't blatantly struggle with it. Make sure that's something that you don't need to like notice first and take the log out of your own eye before you go to somebody else. Whatever that else other thing may be. Okay? And lastly, when we do bring judgment, how are we going to bring it? You know, loving, forgiving humble way. Any questions Any comments? Any confusion? I don't want anybody to like leave today confused about this subject, okay? Oh yeah, what'd you learn today, mom? Well, he said we can judge. That's what he said. He said we can judge, but we cannot be judgmental. We can make a judgment as long as it's loving, forgiving, and a humble way. We can make a judgment as long as we don't, what? We're not feeling that we're better than the other person. We can make a judgment if we're prepared to be measured by the same standard of, me- of measurement that you judge the person. Yes? We can judge, but we shouldn't go looking around like, oh, what should I judge this person on? Perfect. Yes, you don't want to be the judge police either. Because that what does that become? You become what? Self-righteous because you're so great that you have to be Checking to see who it is that you can go to because look, of course I has to be me right? Who else? God chose me. Yes. Well, in a way, we can't judge. We use.